Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Brave Birds Pod. It is episode 28, and I'm your host, Zach, and we got everyone here today. Rhett is back from Disney. Rhett, how was Disney? How'd, you, how'd y'all do down there? What'd you have fun? <laughs> What'd you do down there? What all parks you go to? Uh, we went to all four parks. I think we got to ride every new ride that we had never ridden before, except the Frozen ride, because the line was like three hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard, um, I heard it was like the busiest weekend down there this weekend. So, talking to a friend down there that works down there with the uh, extra tours, he said it was the busiest week they had had in 56... No, it was like three years, almost, it was since COVID started. So, um... Yeah, it was rather busy, but it was fine. Like, we got to ride all the big stuff. We rode Ratatouille. We rode all the Star Wars stuff. But, yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, it looks like fun. And, Art, I know you had a couple questions. Oh, yeah. My first question was, um, is uh, Genie Plus worth it? Or is it just kind of like lines are just going to be bananas regardless? So, I think when we went, sorry, I'm going to cut you off, Rhett. You're good. When we went in um, November, we got the Genie Plus. It was 15 bucks for the day, minus like three rides, if not two. And we got on, we didn't wait in line at all. We like waited, our max wait was like five minutes. And we rode everything in like, from like 8 a.m. to about 1 p.m. So it was really busy when we were there. So you like the genie plus like the lightning lanes were if you didn't do them before noon you weren't getting them so we would get in like mm. four rides a day on genie plus um but they only let x amount of people go through an hour so when we were mm. doing genie plus the longest line we had was 15 minutes and they were three hour lines if we did not have genie plus um and then we my mom got the extra one where you have to pay extra for the most popular rides and that was really good if you could get the rides, but it opened at 7, and if you did not have those rides secured by 7.02, you were out of luck. Like, they just, it sold out so fast. Yeah, that's how Rise of the Resistance was for us, because it was an extra money, and if you didn't get it in that first minute, you didn't get it. Okay. I think we all got right, it on all I'm of back. them but Rise of the Resistance, so we just got to the parks right when it opened, and we had a 20-minute wait for Rise of the Resistance, and later in the day, it was three hours. You had any more questions, Art? That was the main one. Um, I think everything else was just along the lines of, like, how busy was it? Was it still enjoyable? I, I guess, like, is the park way too overwhelming right now with how many people are allowed inside? So, a lot of the parks outside of Magic Kingdom, just because there's so many rides at Magic Kingdom, and all the other parks have like 10 to 15 rides, just about all the waits were over an hour for like every single ride. But then, like, we were going on Test Track Single Rider, and it was like a five minute wait for Single Rider. We went on Rock and Roller Coaster Single Rider, and it was a five minute wait. So, if you knew what you were doing and could get around the lines, it was a lot of fun. But like there were plenty of two hour lines. The longest we waited was like an hour and a half just because we would get there right when it opened. A lot of the popular rides we would ride like as fireworks were going on. So like literally no one's in line, but, uh, I mean, it was a lot of fun, but there were a lot of people. Okay, cool. I think that's everything that we had right now. Cool. I'm glad you had fun at Disney. I love Disney. I know Artie loves it too. Will's the only lame in this group, 
But I am a normal adult. <laughs> I wouldn't consider. I like Disney. I just don't want to go to Disney World for. That's not my first place for vacation. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's not my first for vacation. Like I enjoy going to the beach and everything, but I would go to Disney yeah. like every few years. I don't yeah. know if I would do like every year. Exactly. Personally, but to each their own. Yeah. Like every two or three exactly. years is my limit. All right, let's move on. Um, Falcons, of course, as we've been talking, Cordero Patterson has been wanting to be with the Falcons. Still no word, but then again, the uh, free agency doesn't start till the 16th, so we still got another week and a half till all the free agencies are coming up, and we'll see what happens. Um, Hopefully, we can keep him draft when it comes up. Hopefully, we can get an edge rusher. Another lineman that can block, and who knows what else we'll get. But otherwise, not much on the NFL since season still hasn't hasn't started or hasn't officially ended, <laughs> technically. But let's go to the other Atlanta team, Hawks. They're twenty nine and thirty two right now. They have to go twelve and nine the rest of the year to get above to get at least to five hundred which is kind of embarrassing. We're 10th in the East. Just came off a loss to Chicago and Boston, but we did get a win over Toronto when we were getting destroyed by them before the break. So I'll at least take that, that 127 to 100 win over Toronto. Uh, Trey Young still doing lots of uh, points, 27.9 points per game, 9.3 assists. His defense, I still haven't seen it. I know Artie is... Very vocal about that. Um, I know John Collins is still out with... Uh, it's not a hamstring. It's something with his ankle, I think, is what I saw it, it was. And then Capella's averaging 12.1 rebounds per game. Let's see if he can get that up. Hopefully our game can step up. I know Bogdanovich actually spoke out about them not playing as a unit and not playing super well together. Here it is. I'll read it to you in just a second. Uh, Bo- uh, Bogey says, Team has lost their identity after blowing a 17-point lead, lead to Boston on Tuesday oh, night. Yeah. It was he, bad. He shared his belief on what's causing the team's lackluster campaign. They lost their ar- identity on how to win. And I completely agree with him. We just... I feel like they get ahead and they're like, Oh, we're winning. We're going to keep one. We're just going to lax... Play lackadaisical and win this game, and just we didn't get... make a shot until there was six or maybe seven minutes left. So we went scoreless for the first five minutes. Yeah, um, Boston outscored Atlanta fifty-six to thirty-three in the second half. Even with their best players, the Celtics' best player Jalen Brown left the early with an ankle sprain. We still, well, Jason Tatum's their best player, but. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Brown is really but good. his number Just two, I off. guess you would call him. Yeah, yeah. Bogey's got a huge point there about them losing their identity and not how knowing how to win. I think it's also just, and again, Trey is a fantastic player, but and yes, he gets a lot of assists. He's fantastic statistically, but I I think the way that our offense runs with so much being centered around Trey, even on the nights that Bogey outscores somebody and he, he or Bogey gets 21, I still feel like there's a lot of times where the team doesn't have like a set group of role players. It's just a lot of guys trying to do a bunch of different things at one time. 
and everybody kind of plays a lot of me ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, yes, you still have like Trey's the scorer, but if Trey's not shooting the way that he always can, then he still has the ball every play, but it may not be helping everybody else get the points. And the way that this year's rules are currently, um, and the way that they've changed from last year, where Trey could just drive, and it didn't matter if he was hitting shots or not, he was getting fouled so much because of the way that he played, he was able to get a ton of points on the board. He's still scoring, but he doesn't have that to fall back on if he's not hitting the shots that he needs, especially his three-pointer. And we don't play, again, we don't play enough defense, especially at the guard position, to get away with not hitting shots and not playing safe. Yep, and I was listening to the radio today, um, who made a good point that Trey, yes, he is our MVP, he's our all-star, he's our best player, but he is not the 2010 LeBron James who could carry a mediocre team to the playoffs. He needs a number two to help him out. And right now, it doesn't look like we have a number two that can carry or get some of the weight off of Trey's shoulders. Well, it's also just a, it's also comparing Trey to LeBron is a huge gap because LeBron was still fantastic at all facets of the game. Trey can't take over a game on defense like LeBron could. LeBron could get six steals in a game. LeBron can score on fast breaks, can, can score from three, can drive the ball, can pass the ball. LeBron can rebound. LeBron can block. Like, There's a reason why LeBron is number one or number two in the world of all time from a lot of people's lists. And there's a reason why Trey Young, yes, he's fantastic, but he's not on that list, and I don't think he ever will be. He's not the kind of player that a Jordan or a Kobe or a LeBron could be where they can just take over a game and it doesn't matter who's guarding them and who else is on the court. It can be one versus nine, but LeBron can still get the job done a lot of times, especially in his prime. And Trey's not that guy. He needs a lot of help. Very true. But yeah, hopefully we can turn things around. Hopefully Bogey's comments will spark, will ignite a spark on them. And hopefully we can at least go more than 12 and nine and get in the, at least the playoff or the uh, play-in tournament, but we'll see what happens. We're currently sitting at 10, so as long as we don't fumble too badly, I think we can still get into the play-in, and then it's just up to how we play after that. Yep. Hopefully the hopefully them be in the play-in will like also be like, why the heck are we here not in the playoffs already? Like, Let's freaking get this shit together and go. Will, I, I want your... You were saying earlier how in the for the NBA, the West there was only like three to five teams that could have potential, while the East has like ten. Was it? No, no. So Artie and I were so no. So Artie and I were talking about it, uh, and we said that basically the East has a bunch of teams that could make a run, whereas the West has five teams that should make a run. And when I say make a run, I mean make it to the finals. They're that good. With the East, you have the Bulls that I've mentioned before. You have the 76ers. You have the Celtics. You have the Heat. 
and then possibly the Cavs. And those are teams that could make a deep run in the playoffs. But for the West, it like the 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 skill difference is so large between the Eastern and Western teams. Phoenix, um, Golden State, Dallas, Memphis, and Denver should all and and Utah should all go far in the tournament or in the in the playoffs. But with the way that the tournament, uh, the playoffs are set up, they're going to have to play each other early. So only half those teams are get through. If it was West versus East from the very beginning, which obviously that wouldn't make sense because the semis is the the NBA West finals and the NBA East finals. I get that. Um, I think that they could blow out the teams that are going to that would barely make the tournament in the East or that, you know, should win one round in the East. I think that the West is far ahead just from what we're seeing from a records perspective and how they do it. And I know that I know that regular season play doesn't transfer over to NBA playoffs. Like I get that, but I still don't, I don't have a lot of confidence in the Eastern conference teams. Um, we talked about the, you know, around the trade deadline, we talked about like, what if Brooklyn and, and Philadelphia ever figure it out? Well, it looks like Philadelphia's figured it out. James Harden is putting up numbers with Joel Embiid and they should do really well, but they're, they're going to be going up against Nikola Jokic and a healthy Chris Paul. And what's, what is the other guy's name from Phoenix Suns? Devin Booker. Yeah. Devin Booker. And then you've got Clay and Steph uh, and, and John Morant, John Morant put up 50 plus the other night. And then you've also got Luka Doncic, and the rest of the Mavericks, who just beat the Lakers at home, and I mean, granted, yeah, the Lakers aren't that good this year. They might or might not make the playoffs, but I still, I look at those teams, and I still think that they can beat any of the Eastern Conference teams in a best-of-seven series, hands down right now. So you think the so, West is going to win it? Do I think who's going to win it? The West. You think the West overall I, is going to win it all? I really do. I'd say overall, yeah. Um, I kind of ruled out Milwaukee, and and I know that they're defending champs. They they have a good shot, but the, like the teams that I think of in the East that have a decent shot, I look at the teams in the West, like I just named. You've got Utah, who may or may not show up for the playoffs. You have Golden State. You have Phoenix. You have Dallas. You have Memphis, and you have Denver. I I don't. <laughs> I, I just I don't think that, that the East stands a chance when they get to the finals, whomever that team is. Now, granted, it could be like we could be looking at we could be recording two months from now, come May, and I could be on a whole different beat just from somebody that's turned it on. Maybe it's DeMar DeRozan and the Bulls. Maybe it's the the big two at Philadelphia. Maybe the Nets finally get everything figured out and they're a healthy competitive team. But right now, I think that the West is just like miles ahead. Yeah, so hopefully, just because we're in the East, I, of course, will always cheer for the East because Hawks are there. But I do love the oh, Warriors. Yeah. I love watching Steph and them play. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But Do you have any other NBA teams? No. No, I, I only <laughs> have... I was just curious. Not, NBA is not like football. <laughs> that was funny. When I have 100 teams, this I only got... Found, uh, the Hawks... Really, the only team I cheer for, and then I just like watching Steph Curry, so I'll cheer for the Warriors. But that's all I got for the Hawks. Um, 
We got some news coming out of MLB. Did we sign Freeman again? No, because no. we're still in a freaking lockout. Oh, yeah, Manfred's an idiot. Sucks. And the first two series of the season have been canceled. Brett, Brett, didn't you have something to say about this? Yeah, um, I'm just about tired of Manfred. I've been tired of him since he became the commissioner. I mean, his literally his first thing as a commissioner was when the Astros came out with their big cheating scandal, and he was like, "Well, we punished the players that needed to be punished. We player or we punished like the coaches that needed to be punished. We're just going to let them keep that piece of metal." Not the best footing to start on, and then you go into COVID season was handled okay, not great, not horrible, and now he handled this lockout horribly. There are players coming out saying like they wanted to negotiate in good faith and felt bamboozled when he like shut them out right away without like even trying to negotiate. They're saying he's putting zero effort forth to like meet some of the reasonable demands that the players are making. So. I think this is a failed experiment in his three or four years that he's been there. Can I just say something? Yeah, I, go for I, it. Think, I think that what the players are asking for is not that much in the grand scheme. They're at the very most, they're multimillionaires that are arguing with billionaires that own these companies. And the MLB is trying to say that from a profit margin perspective, they have declined over the past however many years. They've been up – I think I just saw the statistic today. They've been up over $10 billion in profit uh, on average for the past five years. Yeah, and you know yeah. what's funny is that they're billionaires and they're arguing losing money. Well, I, know the, I don't know every team. I do know the Braves reported like 268 million dollars in revenues that's with yeah. winning the world series and all these other things which right. is not an average year let's get teams are still making money. Freeman. right but the the thing is that what the players are asking for i just want to i said this already i'm going to repeat it it's not that much the players are asking for wages that are competitive that are that are sustainable wages and and if you look at a lot of the posts from uh, I mean, I'll just name some brave superstars like Dansby Swanson. You look at like Jock Peterson, Jock Peterson. You look at the old, the old Braves pitcher, the closer for San Diego, Mark Melanson. And, um, even like Max, Max Scherzer and some of the Mike guys, Crow, like a lot of the big Gallo, players, have been they're all coming out and saying that this is, listen, the, the, and the, for the present, the fans, uh, you know, the public might be upset, but the future players will thank them for what they're doing. Mm -hmm. and, and that takes courage. I mean that like you're standing, you're literally standing up to these giants that run the league and it just, it's, it's not easy to do. I have the utmost respect. And so I think I hinted at this on a previous pod recording, but I'm all for, I'm all for losing months of this season. I'm serious. Losing months of this season. If it means that it helps these players, I'm going to hate it. I also think it's a huge thing too that they need to make a bigger stand because as I don't know if we've talked about it specifically on the podcast, but we've talked about it outside. MLB is the only top league that cannot have any competition. Like in the U S yeah. it is illegal for another team to play professional baseball. They are the only legal monopoly in the U S yeah. And that's bananas. So I, I, I really, really am appreciative for the players. And yes, it sucks that I'm not going to get to watch a couple baseball games. Right. But at the same time, if that leads to more constructive and more talent and more exciting games 
and more players getting an opportunity to play at a top level in the future and not have to, you know, go to the farm system and then have a second job right. that, so that they can still improve and that we're able to grow the game and improve the game and have more kids, you know, have a, have a structure by sports and a motivation to play to reach the big leagues. I, I think this is where it needs to start, and I think I'm appreciative of the players for being able to stand up and do this, and I'm appreciative of the union being way more unified, at least from a public point of view. The players seem exceptionally unified on we need to get this done, and we can't just make a deal to play. We need to make a deal that benefits us in the long run and our future players. Uh, question, how how often is is the lockout like, is it something that has to happen every single year or how often do they, do, does anybody know how no, often they renegotiate these deals? It's like a new contract. So, so like four years, it, I think it was more five. than that. Yeah. Okay. So this is not, this is not an annual opportunity. No, no, no. This is something they can only do every time new contracts come up. This comes around. This comes around rarer than presidential cycles, but I just want to bring this back full circle. Um, Rhett, I agree with you. Manfred Manfred is a, I won't call him a scumbag, but he sucks. And it makes me mad that when he comes out and he's briefing everybody, he's got a smile on his face. Like it makes me so mad. He said the stupidest thing. He said that, you know, listen, we have we have he said something about how we gave them an offer and it was a good offer, but it wasn't their final offer. And one of the reporters asked him, Well, if it wasn't your final and it wasn't your best offer, why would the players association accept it? And he he just danced around the question, and didn't even answer it. And it was literally unanimous decision by the Players Association. All right, so we're getting into college baseball, right? Because you know, Mississippi uh, State is man. Uh, that's that's uh, minor follow. league still goes on, right? Yeah, my, yeah. I'm pretty to sure minor league is still going because Austin still has his job. But I'll have to ask. I can. I'll get insider on the uh, minor league teams. Um. But anyways, yeah, that's all we got for MLB because lockout, stupid, whatever. All right, let's move on to college basketball. And before Rhett goes into it, I just want to say one thing. How the hell is Gonzaga still number one after losing to a high school team? Because Auburn lost twice. It doesn't matter. A high Gonzaga school team. Two losses. A high school team? They're ranked in the top. They were ranked in the top 25. Yeah. San Francisco was? No, they didn't lose to San Francisco. They lost to St. Mary's. Yeah. Oh, San Francisco was their game before them. Yeah. 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 The game that they lost was against St. Mary's. Oh, St. Yeah. Mary's was ranked 23 at the time. Oh, okay. Well, that's and actually now in, the, now in the top 20. So it was like, it was a better okay, loss. Okay. So it was a better loss than usual. Girls team. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll forgive him for that. So that's probably why, since Auburn, Auburn did lose to a non ranked team, was it Florida? We lost to Tennessee. Florida was unranked, and then we lost to Tennessee, okay. who was 17, was. 16, something there. Oh, Florida was 16 at the time? I thought they were unranked. No, no, no. Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tennessee is 14 now. Well, all right, Rhett, go into college basketball. Okay, so we had the craziest day of college basketball ever recently. Uh, the top six teams lost. I think every team in the top 10 lost except two of them. And so just going into this week's rankings, we have Gonzaga at one. Arizona at two. They both stayed, even though they lost. Baylor jumped seven spots to three. Duke at four. Auburn at five. And then just going into our teams, we have Purdue at eight. Villanova at 11. 
UCLA at 17, and Ohio State at 23. Dang, Michigan State fell out. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I have a question for y'all. Out of all of the top 10 teams, who do y'all think is the biggest fraud? Like, who has the highest chances oh. of losing in the first week of the playoffs? Oh, or in the March Madness. Brett, you would have loved that. I asked basic. I didn't ask that exact, but I asked a very similar question last last week. You just asked okay. the, you're the dark horse. Yeah, I asked the dark horse, and then I asked who we think is going to be the first big upset. But you're in down. You're narrowing it down to the top ten ranked teams. I yeah. like that. Um, last week my answer would have been Murray State, who I think already went with. Honestly, Purdue. I oh gosh, I'm gonna have to agree. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. The top 10? My top 10 t- team that I think will lose in the first round would... Kansas. Uh, yeah, Kansas, honestly. I That's exactly Kansas. what I was going to say. Kansas, oh, Kansas yeah. is 1-6 in six against top 25 teams. Yeah, I'm just looking at it now, yeah. and, I'm, and I, I'm sorry, Artie, but I knew you were about to say it. And I was like, oh, crud, I'm, I've got to get this one in. Yeah, yeah I no, really think it's it Kansas. Kansas. It'd be Kansas. I yeah. completely agree. I think every other team on this list, Gonzaga being most likely unless something crazy happens being the one seed will get an easier game i i think the low the farther you go down on that list the harder a team that they're gonna have to play and i think kansas is probably your you know you're gonna be your shocker they'll have a higher seating so they it may not be terrible but yeah that could be a game that we need to watch they'll, they'll be probably a get a, two a three seed, seed yeah, yeah. Probably a three seed since they just lost last night. And and they'll have to play. They'll have to get through the Big 12 uh, championship. Yeah, yeah. Brett, did you mention Arizona was number two in your rankings? Because I just realized you didn't have it in the notes. You went yes, one, I, three, four, I five. said the top I'm, five, and then I said... And then that our was teams, me. yeah. That was, the me. Other teams, yeah. that was me. I listed only our teams, and I'm sorry, Red, I forgot Villanova. Oh, you're good. I said Gonzaga and Arizona, and I said they continued holding one and two, even though they lost. Cool. Just want to make sure. Um, but going back to the top six teams that lost, I'll just I'll just say who who they lost to. So Gonzaga lost to St. Mary's, Arizona lost to Colorado. They were a seven, or it was like an eleven or a seventeen point favorite. Yeah, like what? Auburn lost to Tennessee, but Tennessee is my dark horse of the tournament. So that was it. Purdue lost to Michigan State. So Will, how do you feel about that? Are you happy? Are you sad? Because it's both your teams. I- well, yeah, but, uh, so I mean, well, it's uh, like we're all we've all kind of been it's in the back of our mind, like we're all rooting for Purdue, it kind of yeah. started with Purdue football, right? And I, I'd say that we, I was more rooting for Purdue football than I was like Purdue basketball. Purdue basketball is expected to be good. Purdue football is just that like it's that perfect storm that comes around every couple of years. So I, I don't really care too much. I am much more happy, though, that Michigan State beat them because it gives them a like Michigan State is one of the first teams in now. Mm-hmm. Um. And and I like behind Kansas. I think that Purdue is possible to lose in one of the early rounds. Mm-hmm. And um, then we had Kansas lost to Baylor. So Baylor was one of the only top ten teams that won because yeah, Baylor <laughs> and Duke to. were the two that won. And then Kentucky lost to Arkansas. Arkansas is another good dark horse. They're yeah. playing. Um, I think they're playing LSU right now, but LSU isn't that great. So. It was a really close game. But it's a close game a right now. Game. Yeah. But yeah, those were all the te- the top six teams that lost or who they lost to, which is crazy. Am I good to go in teams? Yep. yep. Okay, uh, going. Sorry. 
as of right now, as as far as bracketology has them, as of yesterday morning, uh, they have Kansas playing uh, Kansas with a one seed for the East, <laughs> uh, playing Cleveland State with Seton Hall and Wyoming uh, in in the second round. Yeah, but they lost since then, so that'll be far or further they, down. This was yesterday, and they lost on Saturday, right? Yeah, but they lost another game. Oh, they did? Yeah. Kansas just lost to TCU last night, yeah. Ooh, okay, then. Never mind. Scratch That's that. That's why I'm saying two well, or three seed. But, yeah. but, but TCU plays at Kansas tomorrow night. Do it so again. Just, Run so it back. Be, it could just be a wash, but I, I get that loss will mean a lot more than that victory, I think. Yeah, completely agree. All right. For the for the Brechtology thing, what does on the bubble mean? Because it says last four buys, last four in, first four out, next four out. Does anybody know understand what those mean? So first four in would be like, or last four in would be the last four teams to make it in the 64. First four out would be the next four teams that just miss it. So they would be the top seeds in the NIL. Oh, okay. So in the says, uh, yeah. NIT, NIT, NIT. NIT yeah. Sorry. Too much college football in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're good. Sports, man. So what's and then what's the difference between the first four out and the next four out? I'm uh, guessing the four out would be five through eight of the teams getting out. They okay. would be five Wait, spots away. Is that what it says? Away. Does it say first four out and next four out? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm guessing because it has Loyola, Chicago, BYU, Oregon, SMU as first four out. So I'm guessing they would be the ones that would get out, and then the next four would be Virginia Tech, Florida, St. Bonaventure, and uh, Dayton. Oh, mm-hmm. please, God, let St. Bonnie's And then what is the last four buys? Last four buys is the last the last four teams that make it into the – so the last four buys is the last four teams that don't have to play for a 16, 12, 11 spot. Okay. Um. In that little bracket for the six, they're yeah, the out, 68 outside team. of the sixty-four. They play in the last things to get into that. Um, last four in have to play in that tournament. First four out are the first four to lose that grouping, and the next four out are the ones that um, go from there. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, you know, I was looking at the bracketology just to see how it was. Big Ten is big. They got nine teams projected to be in it. What? Yeah, Big Ten has yeah. nine. Big East has seven. Big 12 has six. SEC this, has six. This is also prior to all of yesterday's games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this, and this, any games tonight. Yeah, this was updated okay. yesterday 7, at 7.45 a.m. Yeah, 7.45. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. yeah. So it, and it's so – guys, just going to say it. This is March. And Madness. And so much can happen in the blink of an eye. Like this past, this past a- 48 hours, yeah, has been very telling. It, we had an appetizer of it last week, too. And at this time of recording, Connecticut is still losing to Creighton. Oh, that's insane. All right, Rhett, let's get into your teams. How are they looking? Okay, so Duke is number four, and they've won seven in a row. And they have a two-game lead in the ACC, so they've clinched first place in the regular season there. And they play UNC at home. Uh, tickets for that, like the average ticket, because it's Coach K's last Coach game K's in Duke's arena, yeah. are like the average ticket price is like five thousand dollars. It's like it's Super Bowl 
prices. Yes. Yeah. It's also against a rival that's what six miles down the road. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the absolute maximum amount of fans that could want to watch a basketball game. Is that how far Chapel Hill and Durham are? Yeah, they're less. They're I know they're less than like a fifteen minute drive. Okay. Yeah, Chapel Hill and Durham are super close. Okay, then I have Villanova, who lost to UConn and then beat number nine Providence. So they beat number eight Providence two weeks ago, and then they beat number nine Providence this week. So they beat them in two games. Um, It looks like they're going to finish second in the Big East behind Providence, even though they beat them twice. But they should, they'll have the number two seed in the Big East tournament, and hopefully they can do well in that. And then Seton Hall, uh, they've won their last four games, and they're, depending on how they do in the tournament, they'll make, or in their conference tournament, they'll make the uh, March tournament. And then Auburn. Auburn's lost two of their last three. Um, Our biggest issues have been turnovers and three-point shooting. Katie Johnson and Wendell Green have been really cold recently and when the t- like they're hot the team's hot yes we've had Jabari trying to carry those games scoring like 20 and 30 points but if he's the only one doing anything we still lose um we have a one game lead in the SEC with two games left being Mississippi State who we are currently beating pretty handily and then South Carolina so hopefully we can win those two get the SEC title and then go into the SEC tournament uh and hopefully win it Brett, any comments about the losses? Were they learning opportunities? Uh, yeah, I learned that we need to work on turnovers and three-point shooting. Okay. Like, when we go on the road, our defense shows up, but our offense is not. Like, we're still holding teams to 70 points, but or 60 to 70 points when we're on the road. Like, our defense is still perfectly fine, but our offense is, like, shooting percentage just goes to the floor. Uh on these road games that we lost. So we really have to get that under control, be better at three-point shooting, hopefully get hot as we get into the tournament. Anyways, uh, Zach, what do you have on your teams? All right, so I got uh, Mississippi State. Like Red already said, we're playing them. Uh, sadly losing right now, but we'll see if we can do any type of comeback and do that. Otherwise, we lost to South Carolina, 66-56. But we came back and beat Vandy, 74-69. We got Texas A&M on Saturday, so hopefully we can at least come out winning, and then we play LSU in the first round of SEC, well, technically the first round of SEC playoffs, consider the second round, but our first game, um, because we'll be number nine playing number eight LSU, and then Georgia, and those bad teams are 11 through 13, 14, so the the first round, but otherwise, um, Syracuse, they're on a three-game losing streak. No chance they're making the tournament, but that's okay. They lost to Notre Dame, Duke, and UNC. Um, and we got Miami on Saturday for the final game. Let's hope maybe they'll do good in the NIT bracket. And then number 17, UCLA. We lost in Oregon, but we came back and beat their brethren, Oregon State, 94-55. to um, Kate also beat Washington, 77-66, and we got our last game against Southern Cal on Saturday. So luckily, there's they got they're pretty much a lock in the uh, tournament. So I got two teams, and then number one Gonzaga. They did lose, like we talked about earlier, to St. Mary's, 
Luckily, St. Mary's was a top 25 team, so I can't get too mad at them. But it was, they did lose by 10, which kind of hurts. Like, losing to a top 25 tip team by 10. I wish it was at least a little bit closer. But, you know, it's fine because they still stayed ranked number one. And as right now, the favorites for the tournament. But we'll see that how that goes. So, Will, let's move on to your teams. So, Michigan State... Two, they they went one and two in their past three games. Um, lost to Iowa. That's not good. Then they beat Purdue, which is very good. Really helps their chances and and has them right there on the bubble. Probably should make it in. But then they turn around and lose to Michigan. At Michigan, Juwan Howard's not there. But uh, Michigan's interim head coach it needs put some respect on his name. He I can't think of his name right now, but look it up. Put some respect on it. He's definitely going to get I don't know it, but put some respect on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just put blank name here. Respect. That's what you do. Respect uh, the man enough to look up his name. The Respect the man, Rhett. Respect the myth and respect possibly the legend because he might get, if they win out, he might get Michigan to the tournament. But that's a, that's a very big ordeal. So going back to Michigan State, we play Ohio State tomorrow. Uh, that's going to be a very very telling game. It's going to be a very important game for both of us. Ohio State is currently ranked, but then lost. And so this is a very important game since we just lost to Michigan and are not ranked. We need this game going into the conference tournament. Now we are switching over to UNC on a three-game win streak, taking down Louisville, NC State, and Syracuse. So just cleaning house on the bottom of the ACC bracket. No offense, Zach. No offense. Um, on the bottom of the ACC standings, 3-0, that's great. But like I said last week, the focus needs to be on that game Saturday against Duke. None taken, um, don't or worry. Is that, is that Friday? Today's the second. No. Yeah, today is the second. So that will be Saturday. And that's the most important game. Um, it'll give us a real gauge of how we think, how I think UNC will do in the tournament. Because Duke is the, the fiercest competition you can go up against right now. So, fingers crossed. I hope UNC can keep it close. But I just feel like they're. I just feel like Duke is going to bring the heat. Coach K's last, you know, his his final game on his goodbye tour. We'll see. Now we move on to St. Bonnie's. Just beat St. Joseph's. Turn around. Lost to VCU. I will tip my hat to Artie. And now yeah, go Rams. Okay. I regret tipping my hat, giving my hat back. And now are going to play Richmond on Friday. Um, so that should be a win, and St. Bonnie should be in the tournament. Mississippi State, already covered by Zach. Already, I'll pass it over to you now. Okay, yeah, I, I think that uh, just I'll just start off where you left off uh, with VCU. Uh, they're now on an eight-game win streak after that big win last night against St. Bonaventure. It's been pretty much those two teams sitting at the top for a little while uh, in that in the A-10 conference. Davidson's been floating around. Um, but, you know, St. Bonaventure and VCU for the last you know couple years has been near the top. Um, they've come off their most recent wins over UMass and St. Bonaventure, like I just mentioned. Uh, they're sitting at 21-7. and seven. And one half game back from Davidson for the number one spot in the A-10. So it's currently sitting at number two. Um, their next game is on March 5th against St. Louis. 
Uh, also going back to Xavier, unfortunately a fall from grace. Last five, they've lost their last five games in the Big East on a total five-game losing streak, and they just have not been able to put up points. Uh, the defense is still okay. Uh, they're not, you know, giving up huge point advantages. They just can't score. Like their best scorer on the team is averaging like thirteen points a game, maybe. And when you're comparing that to some of the big teams that have guys going off for 18 to 20 every night, you're not going to be able to compete. Um, so they've now dropped out of the top 25 and, you know, they're not looking good. They still might win. They, they still should have a chance to win, to make it to the tournament it, with a half decent showing in the big East uh, because the competition is so fierce in that conference now. Uh, but it's not looking great if they keep this trend up going into the tournament. Uh, now we'll move up to 23 at Ohio State, currently sitting at 18-9, and nine, uh, not playing as many games as some of the other teams, but that's okay. They just came off of a win over, at, at the time, number 15, Illinois, but they have had two recent losses to Maryland and Nebraska, both unranked teams and Big Ten losses, unfortunately. Um, but they do come up uh, in their last two games were against Michigan State, so another game of uh, Will Barnes and myself, um, and then they play Michigan on three on March sixth uh, for the last game of the season. You know what month it is already? It's March Madness. You know what month it is? March, January, nope. February. Izzo, Izzo, <laughs> but not against Ohio State. Sorry. Well, you go find out. Yeah, you go. Hey, fuck around and find out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the last team I have, as we all know, is Baylor. Um, big jump after the win against Kansas, all the way up to number three, currently sitting at 25-5. and five. They're on a four-game win streak, including Oklahoma State, Kansas, and Texas, um, all con- big conference wins. Uh, and their last game is going up against Iowa State, who they did beat earlier in the season, um, who has all- and Iowa State, unfortunately, has not had the season that they had hoped Um with how high their rankings were earlier in the season, they have lost a lot of big games um, and they are now sitting unranked. Uh, but good to see that I should have, you know, two, probably definitely two and probably three or four teams getting into the tournament. It's all going to come down for VCU and Xavier. It's going to come down to some of their conference play mm-hmm. in their conference tournaments. Uh, but overall feeling optimistic and having Baylor be a, most likely a number one seed team going into it. I'm very happy with that. And, you know, it's always a good day to be a Buckeye. So, Rhett, mm-hmm. I, I asked Artie and Zach last week, I'll ask you the same question. Out of all the teams that should make the tournament, not just the top 10 ranked right now in the AP, who do you think is going – Who do, who would you say is the first most likely to be upset? So we're not talking about like an eight versus a nine game because that's too close to really be considered an upset. Fair uh, enough. Yeah, I guess we didn't take that. We didn't really take that in consideration, but yeah, that's a good point. But but yeah, Alabama. But, we didn't really okay. pick a eight or nine team. Yeah, we didn't really. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Alabama only because they're top twenty-five, so they would be what? Uh, what, fourteen team, thirteen team. What? What? No, no, because no, the... that would put them in the top 40 teams. If they're sitting at 25 right now, that would be oh, like they'd... a six seed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
So Alabama plays really well against really good opponents, and then they lose some stupid games. So Alabama lost to UGA. Alabama loses to these teams that they should win. I think Alabama could go in there and just drop the ball early. If they do make it late in the game, like they can beat just about anybody. They beat Gonzaga. They beat uh, Baylor. Like They've beaten some good teams, but they've also lost stupid games. Good point. Yeah, and they're not even ranked right now. Oh, well, then they're just outside of the top 25. Oh, no, they are. They're 25. Yeah, they're 25. Yeah, yeah, so they would be a, ranked, yeah. They'd be like a six seed or a seven seed. Um, so I think they okay. would lose. I think – I can't remember who it was, but uh, but I th- was it you, already or I? Th- uh, no, I think it was Zach who said Texas. No. Texas no, that sounds like me. Okay, yeah. Me. Yeah, I already said – Always horns down. Yeah, already said he thinks Texas is most likely to get upset. I mean, we already saw it happen with the Oral Roberts. I mean, I agree Texas could get upset, but they're not gonna they're gonna be like a eight or nine seed, so it's not like they're gonna be playing someone beneath them at any point. Um, okay, so then the second question I asked the other two was who do you think has a good chance to make a Cinderella story? Murray State. Okay, okay. What uh, like <laughs> What's going on? I don't understand. They are Brad, good. Brad, Brad. They are legitimately good. Brad, if you're listening to this, I just want you to know I'm not against Murray State. I just don't get where all the hype's coming from all of a sudden. They are good. They put up points. They play good defense. They're a sound team. They play in a pretty decent conference. They're undefeated in a pretty decent conference. Yeah, and they're undefeated in that conference. Like it, Their last loss was to Auburn in like the so month of old. December. Right, and Auburn is we as we all know should be probably ranked be, one or two. Yeah, it should be. They're gonna get a top top. They're gonna get number one seed oh, for sure. Score update: so, Um, Alabama just lost to Texas A&M, eighty-seven to seventy-one. Like I said, Alabama oh! loses stupid games. <laughs> Arkansas is losing to LSU by two. So Murray and State Creighton is beating UConn. Go ahead, Rhett. Murray State, KJ Williams, and Tevin Brown are both averaging over 15 points a game. Like, they have a good amount of talent for a mid-major team. They could easily, I could see them being in an Elite Eight team pretty easily. Got it. Fair enough. Okay. I respect it. You you brought a better case than Artie did last week, and so I'm gonna agree with you. I think Murray State's got a chance. Um, for for your refer for reference, I said last week I said Wyoming just because I had seen how they'd been performing in the Mountain West, and then immediately they turned around and lost. I think they lost two. They lost to Boise and they lost to somebody else. Um, but I will say another one is possibly Marquette because I've seen what Shaka Smart did at Texas. And he, he got them to a sustainable basketball program. He basically grew that basketball program, got them to the tournament. And even though we saw them lose to Oral Roberts, I think that he has done great things with Marquette and continued that basketball legacy they're known for. That's such a cool name. Yeah. Shaka Smart. You know what John Rothstein's nickname for him is? Shaka Smart, the reincarnation. <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for episode 28. March is here. The let the madness begin. That scares me. I have goosebumps. <laughs>